Welcome to the Conscious Culture Cafe, the podcast that explores how you can lean into your purpose, live your values, and enhance your social impact through your work. I'm your host, Kathy Miller Perkins. Have you noticed that corporate scandals seem to fill the news these days? Yet at the same time, in great numbers, corporate leaders talk about their values and commitments. So what gives? How can commitments to values and scandals increase at the same time? Are leaders talking of their values merely to burnish their reputations? My guest today is Bettina Palazzo, and she has been addressing these tough questions for years. Bettina won an award in the 90s for her PhD dissertation on the topic of business ethics. And after she obtained her degree, she helped KPMG build their business ethics consulting services. Currently, she has her own business ethics advisory. Bettina calls Lausanne, Switzerland home. And that's where I met her. We both taught in the sustainability doctoral program at the Business School of Lausanne. Welcome, Bettina. So you've been working with companies around the globe on business ethics for many years. What's your take on what is happening currently? Are the scandals worse now than when you started? Are companies headquartered in the U.S. worse than their European counterparts? What do you think? That's very difficult to say because empirically we cannot really prove it. What definitely has changed is the way we look at it and and what what society's expectations are. Oh, very interesting. And the perception of it got so much sharper. I, I still remember when I started in the beginning of the 90s finding cases or newspaper articles that would really talk about ethics and companies was always complicated and you always had to kind of remove some layers because the ethical issues were kind of hidden under legal stuff and ah. it was not so clear cut. So this is much more obvious and out there now and also in my consulting work in the beginning when we were trying to find clients you had to really explain everything from the very beginning and also with my audit colleagues at KPMG explaining ethics to a auditor with so much numbers was a big learning experience for me so in a way we don't know if it's worse a general big discussion. There are some people who say, in general, the world does better now than a hundred years ago because we we tackled this and 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 that. But then there are other voices who say it's worse. So that's where. So what yeah. counts empirically hard to prove, but definitely yeah. the attitude has changed, Good and point. the world yes. is definitely a much more complex place. Well, and plus with social media and with the transparency that no one can hide anymore. So that may also have something to do with it. You talk about the relationship of values and ethics. And one of the things that you and I both witnessed over the last many years now is that companies are coming out with all kinds of value statements. Even companies that are caught in scandals, usually they have a value statement. Where's the disconnect? What's happening with values versus ethics? Values are very attractive. I mean, everybody gets kind of this nice fuzzy feeling when you talk about value. So that's why companies and often the the communication people in the company think, oh yeah, we need to do values. That's all. (laughs) That's the hot. (laughs) Yeah. 
Values are tricky. Everybody can come up with some fancy terms, integrity, excellence, or what are the other usual sub subjects? Those are two uh, that I see everywhere. Teamwork. Yes, right. Empowerment. Ag right. Agility. Agility is a big one at the moment. And Real interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I wonder if people even know what it means. <laughs> yes. So, so very often people don't even know what values are, and so they they throw in all kinds of nice sounding words and say think that that they are values. That's not always the case. Like open communication is more an activity than a value. But of course, I mean, I don't want to be too technical on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, and that's a broad field. We don't want to go there. What, what's a value? What not? And there are people who make lists of the values. Yes. <laughs> But then the question is, how can you have a set of values, which is nice because it, it kind of, it can help to define the name of a game in a company. Yes. Yeah. There is this great experiment that I came across that people did where they let two groups play the same game where you can win or lose if you cooperate both people win but if you if you are a competition only one of them wins mm -hmm. so it, it's called the dictator game mm -hmm. and it's often used in in game theory and in this setup there were two setups in the one setup they told the people so this is the community game And in the second setup, they told them, this is the Wall Street game. And that's all they said. And then I let them play for a while. And I let you guess yeah. in what setup people cooperated more. It's a community game. <laughs> yeah, right. Isn't that so see, interesting? Yeah, so, so I found that fascinating. It's 70% that cooperated in the community game and only 30% in the Wall Street game. So there's something about the words that set the expectation exactly. for how to act. Isn't right. that interesting? Very interesting. Why is it then, if these companies have the value statements, they have the right words, why don't the behaviors follow? What's wow. the problem? Well, because you can just throw a beautiful cherry on a toxic culture okay so it's about the culture <laughs> so you yeah. really have to work it from the ground up mm -hmm. yeah, you can't just invent well you can but then you have to really also know where you are and make a plan how you get there uh -huh. but you can't just throw some icing on a cake It's like uh, putting on makeup and not washing your face. Before. Right. Yes. Very good. Yes. That's interesting. And I like, I want to come back to something you just said, because I find this in my work all the time. You have to know where you are before right. you can figure out what you have to do to get to where you want to be. What we find, we do a lot of culture assessment work. And what we find is that top level leaders almost always are wrong about what people within their culture how exactly. people within their culture view it. And yet they assume that they know. And so they can't get anywhere because they have really no idea what people are really thinking about their culture. 
Do you find yes. that in your work as well? Definitely. I mean, we are not the only ones who experience this, but we right. probably as an outsider to organizations have a sharper look at that and mm -hmm. as the insiders. That's, that's why consultants are useful. Because yes, right. Outsider look. Right, right. And you can say things that insiders are maybe too afraid to say so bluntly yes and yes i think there's lots of research about how come we have this kind of pyramid of ignorance that mm. people at the bottom are much more aware of reality or problems than the ones at the top they have usually a rosier picture of it because well people don't really want to communicate the not so nice parts about the organization right. to the powerful people Well, you said something in one of your blogs that really caught my attention, and that is that in some of these companies that have these really visible scandals, when researchers have dug into it, they found that there were people in the company that knew about it years before it broke. Is that part of this issue that people aren't telling what they know? They're not speaking up? And why yeah, not? Speaking why not? <laughs> Well, I think speaking up is just the hottest topic in business ethics and probably in, in corporations in general at the moment, because we've been talking about agility before. It just doesn't work anymore to have this hierarchical structure where the, the people at the top know everything and they know best. Nobody knows best anymore in this VUCA, in this highly volatile world we're living in. So there's this big talk about collective intelligence and agility. But the thing is, this only works if all the voices are heard. Yes. All the voices count the same. That's why we have all these problems in, in making diversity work and having more female leaders. Just moving away from this dominant mainstream thinking. Mm -hmm. I also think business ethics is super hot at the moment because if you do the ethics part right, because ethics is in itself also kind of a subversive activity you get so much more you get a more open culture you get more critical thinking uh -huh. and you have to deal with constructive of course it has to be constructive yes respect and constructiveness you, you don't want to just complain about what's going on but that's an important point to make if you We have to differentiate between speak up, which is constructive to help advance the company and also to, to help that people feel heard. Yes. That right. is good for innovation. And it's, it's not about whistleblowing and snitching and gossiping, but because that's a kind of a behavior if you are in an oppressive system, because you can't really say what you think, then you do it kind of under the cart and you gossip. So that's a big difference. Ah, and that is something that I've been reading about is that there's some belief that what's called tattletailing here yeah. in the US is, is on the uptick. What do you know about that? What do you think about that? I think we really have to differentiate there. And of course, when you have gossip, people don't feel hurt because they feel, so they talk amongst each other. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a reaction of the oppressed. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. If you are empowered, and that's what companies 
pretend they want. I'm not sure they really want it. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. then, then it's a different ball game. Then you make the voices count. You don't react defensive because you are the big authority, but you want to hear from them. And mm -hmm. these things can't always be nice. Mm -hmm. That's why there's so much movement in companies. But that's not, if you want to do this, you create more conflict. Oh, say more mm -hmm. about that. But What do you mean you create more conflict by doing if you this? If you want to be more inclusive, so you have more okay. voices, uh -huh. but more different opinions. That Yes, diverse teams are much more creative, but yes. only if you create the groundwork so that you understand each other. Right. You have to know more of the about the other side. For instance, if you have a team where the women are in minority, women tend to say less if they feel kind of not so much taken seriously in a more male environment. And if you want to get these voices heard, you have to create things like have rules about interruptions mm -hmm. or speaking times. It just doesn't work the traditional way anymore where you had different opinions, but then it was the authority that decided. Right. Today, we have different opinions. That's why self-empowered teams are struggling with this. Because yes. we kind of new structures in a way to deal with different opinions, also value conflicts mm -hmm. in a way that can be inclusive and creative. And that's hard because my personal values are close to my heart and if somebody else sees them differently I get defensive sure and so how can yeah. we move away from this and say oh this is interesting what can we do with this right yeah it's a different mindset altogether right. it's a mindset that says that differences are good rather than differences have to be overlooked yeah. or it's it's tough It's complex, it's as tough. you said. And it's, it's, it's also hardwired in us. And we don't know there's all this big this talk about unconscious bias. And one of those biases is similarity bias. Yes. And it seems like if we hear people in a group who are, we identify more with that are like us, we think they are smarter and better. And if they're not in our in-group, it seems there's been research on this. It's hard for me to understand. You sometimes don't even hear these voices. I mean, physically. That's right. Yeah. Right. How would a leader create, or leaders, as the case may be, create an environment where people do appreciate differences and mm. don't feel reluctant to speak out? You talked about silence being contagious. How would a leader create yes. an environment where that is not the case? Again, the starting point for this is the leader because he or she sets the stage. Mm -hmm. And that this starts long before you have that critical conversation. You have to create the whole over a longer period of time where you also model yourself so that mm -hmm. your people see yourself speaking up to your boss, for instance, mm -hmm. or yeah, mm -hmm. or at least tell them some stories or kind of notice that you that you're not only following what comes from above, but you have a critical distance there. Mm -hmm. Listen a lot. Mm -hmm. That's the, the, the hardest part because 
most of the time we are not really trained to listen well. Right. We often listen to respond. Yes. We, we, right. By, while still listening, we already make our little plan, bullet point three to five to <laughs> win this fight. Right. <laughs> Yes, I've seen that happen. I've probably done it. <laughs> everybody does it. And I'm, I'm my training field for doing this better in active listening is my teenager at the moment, ah, which yes. is tough because he triggers me a lot. And then not right. getting defensive and just think, oh, this is interesting. And ask him a question and, and not being judgmental and not giving advice instantly. Mm -hmm. is so crucial because if you manage not to do this, you are giving so much more appreciation to the other person because you don't say, well, this is because you are lazy and you, you should do this and that. Right, right, right. Because we all grew up like this, it's very a very hard habit to break. Yes, it is. And, and I can see clearly how this relates to values and ethical behavior in companies. If you can't talk about these things and can't talk about the differences, different assumptions that people make about ethics, then it's going to be a mess. It's going to be chaos. So no wonder these scandals come about. Yes, I think, again, as so often, communication is key. And very often, we also tend to make assumptions about the other person without right. just simply asking. So how how would this work for you? And I just right. think, oh, she just had a baby. She probably doesn't want to want this promotion. Right. Yes. <laughs> we make so many assumptions without checking yeah. on the so validity educate. of those assumptions. Yeah. Educate yourself. So I'm also doing... I started to do some work on male allyship. So one of the, the big things I think that men need to do here is just to be more curious about women. I mean, we all grow up school reading mostly male authors. Mm -hmm. Why don't you read some female authors for once? Good suggestion. <laughs> Bettina, do you see differences in, you've worked in both the U.S. and Europe, in several countries in Europe. Do you see differences in how we go about this? Sometimes I think that we in America are mm -hmm. worse about listening than in other countries, that we are so anxious to express our own opinions that we don't listen. Do you see differences in the countries or is this a universal thing? I think the difficulty to listen well is probably pretty universal okay. from what I observe. Mm -hmm. I think it's more a personal thing. So some people have it less than others. Introverts tend to be better listeners than extroverts. And really? Experience. How interesting. <laughs> How interesting. I, I, that makes sense. I hadn't thought about that before, but that certainly makes sense. So if you were the leader of a company trying to get your arms around this, what would be the first steps you would take? Suppose that you're the leader of a company that has had some problems, has had either some sort of scandal or some sort of obvious cultural issue. What would you advise a leader in that situation to do? What would the steps look like? 
That's, of course, a dream project of mine since forever. I'll bet. <laughs> of course. I've been there. On the other hand, it's very, very hard as a consultant to do this. But if you are a leader, you're much better than this. As a CEO or like the, the, the top manager, you should definitely start with yourself. Good. Yes, good, and do some advice. soul searching. And I know they don't like this. I recently coached an executive team and they they got forced by the compliance officer to come up with a statement on the newest code of conduct. And it was kind of, they were kind of resentful to expose themselves on these topics of ethics and on speak up. And we asked them for some personal stories, why they think what is the most important topic in their code for them or what kind of experience with speak up even negative one they had in their career. And it was a kind of a not so easy coaching project to give them the courage to come out with this sensitive topics because they had the feeling it makes them look vulnerable, yes, which of right. course is a great force because if the top leader goes out there and says, this is my experience with this, this is how, how I want it for our company. And this is what I'm committed to do for it. That's really super important to this, this in the beginning. And what, annoys the hell out of me when I read codes of conduct is that very often the leadership message is like this is very important for our reputation and I expect <laughs> you all to do this and that uh -huh. and not saying and I will do this something really that, that which would be the proof to the pudding in time and resources and engagement that they would do because why should their people do this if they don't start. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that to me is what it seems to me that that would be the most critical step. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, this is wonderful. You have put some challenges to the audience out there, I would <laughs> say. Before we sign off, do you have any last words or any other comments or advice that you would give the audience? Yes, definitely. So one of my missions for this year is to make kind of like a marketing campaign for ethics because it has this kind of party pooper reputation, which I think it <laughs> shouldn't have. That's true. <laughs> because, because in reality, it's, it's really a superpower and it can really help you to have a happier life. But of course, it's like with the values for the companies, it's not something that just comes to you. You need to practice it. And that's why my, my new signature product is also the ethics gym, because we need to work <laughs> our muscle on ethics daily. Like that's good. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And I say it's both reassuring to know that the U.S. isn't any worse than Europe in terms of listening. And it's also disturbing to know that this is universal, this problem with listening. <laughs> yes, I've been thinking a lot about this. And one of the explanations I came across is that when we were kids, it was often so hard to get hurt that when suddenly as adults, somebody listens to us, we just can't stop ourselves. <laughs> That's probably right. That's a good place to stop. Thank you so much again, Bettina, for joining us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks for listening to the Conscious Culture Cafe. 
If you liked what you heard, connect with us at millerconsultants.com. You can access the show notes and receive our free materials. See you next episode.